Josh, I didn't drill deep enough, man. Was it a good weekend? Everything go well? You got a your high school game was was Friday night. Is that right? It was, yeah. And oh, dude, I'm sorry, dumping the show on you on Friday and high school football. Oh no, it's no big deal. Okay, I feel bad. Remember, there was one of our coworkers that used to always complain if you had to take a day off during the football season, and then then they would take days off <laughs> during football season. You're like, what? But yeah, I'm ready. I'm I'm. I'm ready for the home stretch. Did you get some? Oh, your Chiefs dominated the second half yesterday, so that had to make you feel better, right? Absolutely. Some some football happiness yesterday afternoon. Is there room on the show today for some NFL talk, maybe at the bottom of this hour? I think so. Yeah, why not? There's Be- some uh, interesting <laughs> stories there. I mean, I think the one thing, and I, not Go to ahead. wind us into this big conversation here, but – I do think that this sets up now to the who's more watched debate. Is it Brady? Is it Rodgers? And specifically for Brady, is this finally, finally, is his reign of terror over the National Football League over? That's going to be, I think, the primary talking point surrounding the NFL this week. Or, wait a minute, hold on. I don't have TVs here, so usually during the show we've got two TVs. Are they actually talking about it, or is it about Russell Westbrook and the Lakers' 0-3 start? Well, you know, Russell Westbrook did not make a, a shot not too awfully long ago, a couple of nights ago, toward the beginning of this season. So, that yes, that will take many headlines. What do you mean? Last night, he didn't. He took that stupid jumper. Well, you know, I was going for 2-4. There were 16 seconds left in the game. And, and here we are. An hour and five minutes into the show. How great was this weekend of college football, Josh? And we are a college football show. We're in a college football area, and it's always going to be the lifeblood of this program. But we haven't even talked about the fact that the World Series is set, and now we've got five days to basically completely forget about baseball until like, oh, the Astros and the Phillies are playing in the World Series on Friday. Oh, that's right. They, <laughs> they haven't finished yet. <laughs> yeah, why, why is the break so pronounced? Um... I don't, I don't know. I think that they, I think they like the idea of having the non, non. I almost said non compete. That doesn't make any sense. Not to compete with the NFL on Sunday. So regardless of what happened, even if this thing went seven, the World Series was starting on Friday. So they would have played three three games in four days. So baseball, at least with the Yankees series, and you know, and weather could affect that, right? So I don't know. Maybe if they would have somehow added in uh, a day on Friday, if you know weather had affected and pushed it back even more. But yeah, um, they got what they wanted. They want to be on Friday and Saturday night. They don't want to deal with the NFL on Sunday, and they'll worry about Monday night football going mano a mano. Who is next week's Monday night football? Do you know off the top of your head? I'm usually pretty good on this. I know I'm not watching tonight's Monday Night Football game with the usual excitement that I typically do. Oof. Browns and Patriots? I listened to a Bill Simmons podcast where he's, like, all in now on Bailey Zappi being better than Mac Jones. My gosh, they hate you quickly. Ooh, Bengals-Browns next Monday night. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Chiefs bye week next week, too. You okay? You like the bye? Uh, It feels better going into the bye after you, you get a win. Sure. All right, let's see these Air Comfort Solutions texts. Whoa. Whoa. Kyle in Broken Bow writes, 
let's talk Thunder basketball. Who cares about football and baseball? <laughs> um, I can't. I can't read that one though. That's very funny from the four hundred five. And by the way, Seth Russell. I guess I was here. Thank you very much. The four hundred five. That's a very funny text. Jared Stidham was the backup, uh, and it was Seth Russell for Baylor. Remember, because they had that run. Hold on. Let me see how I do here. Tell me how I do. It was Robert Griffin the third. Then it was like Nate Florence. That sounds right. Right? Then it was Bryce Petty. Mm-hmm. Then it was Seth Russell. And for some reason, I can't remember the guy who was next for the life of me. Who was the guy that dislocated his ankle at OU? And they showed the replay, and they didn't realize how bad the injury was. Yeah. And literally the whole stadium goes, oh. <gasps> It was the loudest gasp I've ever heard at one time. That might have been Seth Russell. But, yeah, thank you very much, the 405. And, Kyle, I sent your sarcasm. Did I say Browns and Patriots tonight? I'm sorry, Bears and Patriots tonight, Browns and Bengals next week. Did I say that? Check the tape. I think I said it right. I've said a lot of things wrong recently. My mind is moving faster. Wait, my mouth is moving faster than my mind is. All right. Here's two really good ones. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Didn't do a good job with it in hour one, kicking off hour two with them. This is fair. From the 918. So I guess OSU really does have a home field advantage in Stillwater. Texas, 14 penalties, and OSU, zero? Goodbye to this sorry conference. I don't know if I've ever watched a game, Josh, and and I should be listened. I listen to a lot of this game. I listen to Dave, and I listen to Holcomb, and I listen to Robert Allen, uh, and I listened a lot to to Craig Way too. But they, I don't know if I've ever seen as one sided of an officiated game as that. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at the tape. I'm not looking at the all twenty two. I'm not hashing out to see where missed penalties were. I don't know if Texas is sending something to the league, and I don't know if Texas and Oklahoma, when they send something to the league on an officiated side, if it's kind of one of those, uh, from Texas and Oklahoma. We'll put this over here. We'll get to that later. Hey, where did you put that garbage can again, guys? Yeah, let's throw this thing away. I'm not going to deal with this. But I would have to say, in general, Josh, it seems problematic when one team – has 14 penalties, and the other team has nil. That that seems a, a little bit off-kilter, uh, I-M-H-O, in my honest opinion. How could it not? I mean, the, the idea that you could play a game and have it be that lopsided. Watching it, there wasn't really a moment for me when I, I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, the fix is in right, right. now for Oklahoma State at all. But you just get to the finish line and – 14 penalties to none has you scratching your head to some degree. Again, like you pointed out, not as though I've this morning woken up and sat back and watched the entirety of the All-22. It's just strictly the, I don't know about this, 14 penalties to none. But again, I mean, watching the game, I didn't uh, didn't really feel like any sort of a fix was in or that Oklahoma State should have been penalized here or there. So I, I don't know. I mean, obviously Texas has to play cleaner. Do you know what I might do with the Bears and the Patriots tonight? I might go back and watch that game. 
I might go back and watch it because I, and I don't know if I don't know if maybe Texas fans or Oklahoma State's fans kind of have that hate listen. You know how liberals used to hate listen to Rush Limbaugh and things of that nature. I don't know if that's there on this show. No, right? we're too nice. We, we 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 need to crank it up a notch. We 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 might not get that, but. I'd be curious to hear from a Longhorn fan if they felt like there were – I don't want to say the fix was in because nobody's accusing anyone of fixing a game. But if there were some pretty obvious moments where the whistle was put in a pocket. I'll give you a great example from this weekend, Josh. The Syracuse-Clemson game. The Syracuse-Clemson game. When they called the flag – what is calling a flag? Have you ever heard of that before? (laughs) They threw the flag? Yes, that would be the proper terminology. My goodness. When they threw the flag on the late hit on Klubnik whenever he went out of bounds, which really saved that drive and might have kind of changed the whole course of the game, and then they didn't call it on Schrader for Syracuse whenever he went out of bounds, which was a very similar play, that was one of those moments where you're like, <laughs> what, what was that? What's, what's going on here? That was a moment where you kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit. I don't know of any of those where you kind of look back on Saturday and say, what's going on? What's going on in Stillwater? What's going on at Oklahoma State? But 14-0 to in a, a, a penalty spot in the box score? Odd. Off. Weird. Um, here's a couple good ones from the 918. Quinn Ewers sucked Saturday. He's overpaid. <laughs> um, I, I guess that's where we are now. It's like, gosh, who would put NIL money towards that? Is that what we're going to be now in college football? Uh, here's another one. Sonny Dykes looks like he'd play a little dirty and then turn his head and do it with a smile. Sonny Dykes. Again, I don't know how it's going to end up at TCU in three or four years from now. But it's, it's, it's a pretty wild story when you think about his coaching career and where he is now at 52. Right As a head coach, after flaming out at Cal, might have thought he was washed. Might have thought he was washed. But he actually goes to TCU, spends a year as an analyst, does a great job at SMU during a three-year run. But coaches that leave SMU and move on to other gigs, and maybe this is more me just pointing at Chad Morris right now, but it's not as if they've gone on and have had this, like, incredible success, right? Um, And so he still had my questions, or at least I still had my questions whenever Sonny Dykes went to TCU. But he's done a really nice job. Now, recruiting going forward – What's the portal going to look like? I mean, someone asked a question last week, and I didn't get to it, but it was a good one. It's not about, hey, look how incredible Sonny Dykes is doing with this talent. It's kind of, boy, do we look at TCU, Josh, and talk about how incredibly underachieving they were the last three or four years with some of these dudes, a lot of them that were on this roster last year, that are thriving this season. It's definitely not a good commentary on the job that Gary Patterson was doing. I mean, it just – there's no way you can look at what TCU's done this season and not kind of make that conclusion. 
right. that he was not getting it done with the talent that was uh, there on campus because they didn't uh, – they've added here and there, right, out of the transfer portal, but it's not as though they just went and totally overhauled the roster. And I don't know that really for the most part anybody mm-hmm. can completely overhaul a roster in college football, but man, TCU, they, they didn't do a ton of that. They're largely winning with kind of what was there. And right. so, yeah, I, I'm with you. Patterson, uh, it's not a good look for the job he was doing as head coach there. And it's, I mean, really, it's, uh, you have to say for first-year head coaches, Sonny Dykes is right toward the top of the list. Of course he is. He's got him unbeaten. It's, it's Plank Show right here on The Raft with Josh on Plank. We're rolling through some of your Air Comfort Solutions text here. Uh, and coming up at the bottom of the hour, we've got the big highlights from the week and the best calls, the biggest moments. And then, of course, with OU off, uh, we actually get a full edition of our top five stories of the day before I bolt out at 1130, uh, maybe a skosh before for our Coach's Corner taping. But I, I think there is one more thing to add to that, and you talked about the portal at TCU and kind of how they did it. Brian Estridge, their play-by-play guy, has said this on a lot of radio shows, and I think it bears true. For TCU, it wasn't a rebuild through the, the portal it was kind of a, a refill, a topping off, right? It's like they already had a an almost full cup of coffee. But it's like, you know what? It wouldn't suck maybe to get this thing a little bit warmer. So, you know, you dip into the portal, get a little bit of help on your on the back side of your deep back end of your defense, get a couple of of get a get a couple of guys to come in and help you in the secondary. Get a guy to help you out a little bit in the in the interior of your offensive line, right? Add a tight end. So, I think they even brought in another receiver. It's not like they need any receiver help. But, yeah, they, they didn't go in and have to reload. They, they had a really, really good team talent-wise. And let's see, there was one more here that I wanted to add before we break. Maybe we take the break to think about this, Josh. From the 405, Plank and Josh, got a question for you guys. If someone held a gun to your head and you had to choose – who will have the better record at the end of the year, OU or Texas? Whoa. <sighs> Knowing my life insurance policy, I might say pull the trigger. But when we come back, let's debate that a little bit. Boy, that was a morbid thought going to break. Holy smokes, what's wrong with me right now? You got to feel one way. You got to lean one way or the other. Going into break, you don't have to show your hand yet. I, yeah, no, I, I will not share my okay. hand. Okay. All it's right. a great question. It's a fantastic question and an interesting debate, I think. Okay. Let's let let's get into it next. This is fun. Look at who it, who's who is that in the 405? You don't have a name in the system. Give yourself a name. You'll get partial producer credit for the program today. I think that's a whale of a question. And if you've asked it on any other shows, how dare you? It's a plank show at OU on a Monday right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back to The Plank Show. Plank and Josh right here on the ref. <laughs> I was during the break. I think I think it. I hope it comes across on this show, Josh, that we love doing this show. I mean, I do. I know you do, and we have a blast together. Even whenever we're in different places, we're we're, we're somewhat empowered, right? Casey nor Brian ever, nor TJ, come in and like, hey. Whatever you do, don't talk about this, right? Do the we're, show like this, right? We 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 are given a lot of creative freedoms with the show which has always been a big deal for me but i i say that it's not 
it's not like I'm trying to go Howard Stern or or, or Bonfire on you. It's <laughs> right. Just, you know, they're not going to come in with this edict of, listen, you're going to talk about baseball, right? It's just yeah, we're the home of Sooner fans. So I love doing this show. I was not happy when that commercial break came to an end because I'm still having a hard time coming to grips with this. There is a great question. If you missed it, off the Air Comfort Solutions text line, there was a <laughs> there was a really good question that was posed from the 405 who writes, who do you think will have a better record at the end of the year, OU or Texas? Now, again, just for debate purposes, Texas is currently sitting at 5-3 and three in, the, in, in the overall number, 3-2 and two in the Big 12. So I guess you could say, I mean, technically, everyone except Iowa State is still alive in the battle for the Big 12 championship game. I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at you know, Oklahoma State could lose to Kansas State this weekend or Kansas State is going to lose to them. So that would give you a two-loss team, and that would be a group of like three two-loss. So everyone is kind of still alive outside of maybe four-loss Iowa State. It's it's going to take something miraculous for Oklahoma, Kansas, or West Virginia. And, ooh, West Virginia laid an egg this weekend. But I don't think anyone's out. Like, I saw an Oklahoma State fan. One of them, I, I like him, Mike Harris. What's up, Mike? Uh, he might hate listen, but he might he was going back and forth with an OU fan this week. He's like, how does it feel being eliminated from Big 12 championship talk by now? And I'm like, eh, don't know about that. I mean, Oklahoma State, if they lose to Kansas State this weekend, they still got to play OU. And that's not going to be, as the great Rube once said, a cake in the park. So I am i don't know who's going to the Big 12 championship game. I have no idea. TCU is in the driver's seat, and OSU and Kansas State have a pretty intriguing matchup. But I'm not counting out any of the two-loss teams right now. I'm not counting out Texas, Baylor, Texas Tech, nor do I think we can officially eliminate anyone. So with that said, just kind of full disclosure there, I'm not ready to bury anyone on that front. So to me, you're all still alive. 5-3 and three for Texas, 4-3 and three for OU, Here's the remaining games for Texas, which, again, will include a bye week, which is coming up this Saturday. So Texas gets their bye to regroup. Then they're at Kansas State, home for TCU, at Kansas, home for Baylor. In those final four games, I would imagine, Josh, favored in two of the four? Maybe? Favored in... Baylor because it's in Austin and favored against Kansas because it's in Lawrence? They're not going to – well, depending on what happens with OSU this weekend, right? But they're not going to be favored at Kansas State, and I doubt they're going to be favored at home against TCU, right? I think you're exactly right. I think that's exactly where they would be favored and would not be. Oklahoma's remaining schedule. Mm Mm-hmm. Iowa State this weekend. Baylor at home next week. West Virginia in Morgantown, who has never beaten Oklahoma in Big 12 play. Then back home for Bedlam. And then they wrap things up against Texas Tech. So there's the schedule. Josh, 5-3 and three Texas, 4-3 and three Oklahoma right now. Which way are you leaning? Who ends up with the better record? 
So I think there's a great chance they wind up with the exact same record. Okay. I think there's a very realistic possibility both teams are seven and five at year's end because, and I feel really good about that for Texas because I don't think Texas is winning in, in Manhattan. I don't think they're beating TCU at home. I do, though, think Texas in those two games that we said they'll probably be favored in. I think they're going to win at KU, and I think they're going to close with a win over Baylor. So I feel pretty good about saying Texas finishes seven and five right now. Oklahoma. If you if you forced me to pick. I'm not forcing you the texter is, just to be clear. I would never force you to do that. Thank you. I think there's a chance it might be Oklahoma that finishes with the better record. Okay. I like Oklahoma I like Oklahoma to win each of their next three games. In Ames versus Baylor and in Morgantown. Though I kind of think that OU is going to lose its final two versus uh, Oklahoma State and Bedlam and Norman and at Texas Tech, or just split those two right. between West Virginia and Texas Tech. I, I'm going to say Oklahoma. I also, I, can I be really dramatic here? Just, just to be clear, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be like overly dramatic pause guy like Colin Coward uh, or Romy used to be or my guy Ephraim Salam, who literally will be like, and, and it's football. And then there's like this really long pause. Like, it's football. Like, what do, you, what do you mean? So I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm going to say something, Josh, that's not meant for effect. And it applies to both of my teams this weekend. Applies to the Vegas Raiders, and in my mind, applies to the Oklahoma Sooners. I think it's, I think it's even bigger than last week, by the Kansas game. I think this is a weekend to see where where Oklahoma is, what they learn from the bye week, and just how good. How good can they – saying how good they can be just sounds so stupid. So let me let me rework that real quick. The foundation building. The, the building of the Brent Venables Foundation, which, again, as my disclaimer every single time, when you listen to this program, you listen to someone who is 100% bought in that this thing is going to work and Brent Venables is going to win championships. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Oklahoma is going to be playing for national titles under Brent Venables. So there's no doubt in my mind that's coming. But I think for, for the fans, for the continued buy-in of the guys that are, you know, not recruited by Brent Venables, the dudes that were on this roster, right, that apparently – you listen to Braden Willis's and the Deshaun Whites – even that 49-zip loss to Texas and how they played at TCU did not shake their belief in Brent Venables, which is awesome to see. But also, Josh, for that little Cretan world, right? What's happening down in College Station? What's going on in Austin right now? Starting to see, starting to see some cracks in the foundation. Now, I'm not ready to sit here and tear down a goalpost after a 52-42 win over Kansas. But if they go on the, win, if they go on the road against what is – I think we all agree an Iowa State team 
that is infinitely better than what their record indicates right now in conference play. Infinitely better than their 0-4 conference record. And every single loss is a one-score game. Touchdown loss to Baylor, field goal loss to Kansas when they couldn't make a field goal, 10-9 loss to Kansas State, should have beat Texas and Austin. You go to Ames and you take care of business? Man, you're rolling in with a ton of momentum in what's going to be a dogfight in a potential primetime game against Baylor and Norman. So, and, and I say both of my teams, I think this weekend, speaking of foundations and, and buying in what a team is building, massive for the Raiders in New Orleans. So that's what I meant with both of my teams. So is it okay for me to say I want to table my answer until next, until after Saturday's game? And I might even be game enough to reply to your text at like 4 p.m. on Saturday afternoon if we want to crack the mics on, Josh, and just jump on. Because to me, I think Saturday sets a tone, not just for the rest of the season, but heading into the offseason, heading into 2023, heading into this, suddenly, like we said, some of these guys that have decided to commit elsewhere, you know what we're looking at? They're looking at this uh, these massive NIL deals, and it's not necessarily what it seems to be, or, you know, this... NFL preparation that is allegedly happening at certain places, and it's just not happening, right? I just, I don't think you're ever going to hear recruits say, well, Oklahoma beat Iowa State, and that's what changed my mind. So I want to be clear there. But I just think it can be a springboard towards something that none of us could have expected when Oklahoma was walking off the field in the Cotton Bowl. Am I making too much of it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't okay. know. And, and for right. me, it. Listen, I'm workshopping it. So I'm, you guys can shoot me down if you want. 405 329 9000 or 6513439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I would feel more comfortable after Saturday's game answering that. I, I agree. And, and okay. I'm with you. And my, my brain went there too initially is like, oh, man, I have a much better idea <laughs> after this weekend at Iowa State. It's almost the following week after that, though, for me. <laughs> right, Baylor. For, yeah, it, it really is at home versus Baylor because I think OU's going to go on the road and win in Ames because I like the matchup for okay. Oklahoma. I, I like how it sets up for OU that Iowa State's good defensively, but they got a ton of problems offensively. To me, that sets up for OU to go find success on the road, right? And I, I just – if you can turn around and beat Baylor at home, then it's, okay, well, now you've beaten three teams you probably should have beaten in a row. i like you to split versus West Virginia and Texas Tech. But, again, I, I every week, every week it feels uh-huh. that way with OU right now. It's just kind of where they're at. I, I <laughs> the, the very, yes, you're making way too much of it. Okay. I'm more worried about Saturday than I am about, than I am about Baylor. I think they're going to beat Baylor. Um, and again, part of that is based on, you know, I just, listen, I, I just haven't been impressed with Baylor and Blake Shapin is kind of meh in my book and Hunter Deckers is even more meh, but you're going on the road, 11 a.m. kick, cool environment, or at least I think it's going to be cool. I don't know if fans have kind of started to deteriorate, uh, deteriorate away from Jack Trike stadium, but even if they do, 
uh, it's still usually they definitely have the DJ cranking the tunes to make sure that it's loud enough to where you can hear it. I just feel like Saturday is a chance to kind of start. Uh, everyone says tent poles, so I, I like ski pole where you, you you like get that you get that great downhill start. Or I don't know. I was never a skateboarder, but when you get a that, that good push with the right foot, if you're left footed, whatever, you know, I just I feel like Saturday can be a way to really not necessarily cure the ails of what happened against either TCU or Texas or Kansas State, but put you in a very interesting position to do what? Put you in an interesting position to get your record at five and three. Keep you as wildly as this sounds, depending on what happens between Oklahoma State and Kansas State, if you know, if Kansas State wins that game and makes it a little bit more problematic, but you're still in that kind of fringe of a conversation about you know, trying to make a bowl game, or excuse me, trying to make the Big 12 championship game. Because everything for, and I'm putting a lot of teams in this mix just so people don't think I'm trying to, uh, like, build up Oklahoma. But, you know, OU, West Virginia, Kansas, if you had, and even Texas Tech for that matter, if you had hopes of a Big 12 championship game appearance, one of the things you need is kind of a team to run away with it and then everyone else middling around two to three losses and battling for that second spot. Saturday to me is is massive on that front. Road game, hungry team, well coached, has some dudes, a couple guys that are going to play in the NFL, and they're coming off a bye as well. So that's um, a long answer to basically say, can I wait until both teams have this played the same number of games? <laughs> Well, can, can we table to next week? But my, my, my quick knee-jerk answer immediately was Oklahoma. And, again, this is why after the Baylor game, we'll really, I think, have sure. a good idea because guess what? Texas will have played the Kansas State game right? at, at that point. And if Texas goes up and I does what I think is going to happen in that game and Adrian Martinez puts it on Texas a little bit and they lose on the road, then – then all of a sudden I definitely think they're losing the following week to TCU. And, oh, by the way, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility like some of you out there on the text line that they drop one of the last games at Kansas or at home versus Baylor. So, But, again, if you're asking me right now today, honestly, I kind of think they both finish 7-5. and five. Mm-hmm. But if, if I had to pick, I would put stock in the idea that Oklahoma, with its offense, can, can maybe win every game but Oklahoma State at home. If if you're thinking about Oklahoma, my gosh, what what is going on? How come can we have longer segments? All right. Um if you're thinking about Oklahoma and kind of what we did, Josh, thinking of like how many games gosh, I just watched that Chargers D B crack his kneecap. Probably shouldn't have done that during this segment. But we're talking about how many games Texas would be favored, right? In their final four, maybe a couple. What about Oklahoma? They're a slight favorite over Iowa State right now. I think it's two the last I checked. I think they'll be favored next week probably by a point and a half to two against Baylor. They'll probably be a road favorite against West Virginia, right? Don't know what Vegas will think. You know, if Oklahoma loses three straight games, and obviously Oklahoma State's probably going to be a favorite in Bedlam coming here, but let's just play the numbers and Oklahoma rolls and gets a couple wins there. 
I mean, just based on where they are right now, Oklahoma State would be the favorite, but probably not a massive favorite in Bedlam. And then, you know, I don't know what to make. Probably a pick em game right now at, at, at Texas Tech. So, to your point, what, 3-2 and two would put them at 7-5. and five. So, right about where we've been thanking whenever it comes to this game. Interesting. Let's see, what is the latest on the Oklahoma-Iowa State line? I had it pulled up here. By the way, kudos to you suddenly going from the seller to a contender in the Ref Royal Rumble. Never say never, Josh Helmer. Yeah, I need like three more weeks of four-pointers. Oh, okay. The Oklahoma line opened with the Sooners as a three-point favorite according to scores and odds. It has been bet down to one and a half. Um, two and a half for the Sooners at MGM right now. And two, it's something that I've never heard of before in my life that has a U and a dot underneath it called Unibet. So that's at least where it stands this week. Well, if it's if it's that small, then I'm telling you what, they that might be a pick 'em next week against Baylor. Regardless, good question, fun segment. The great thing is we're gonna play the games, and y'all can say I'm making too much over Iowa State this weekend, and that's fine. But to me, this is this is a massive game for the Sooners this weekend. All right. Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll roll into it next right here on The Ref. Was there was there anything that we're kind of missing on the show today, in your opinion, Josh, just from the Saturday of college football? You know, LSU kind of handed it to Ole Miss after falling behind early. Oregon flexed its muscle. You know, Penn State gets right ahead of their big matchup with Ohio State, though I'm not really – I don't know if I'd be too excited about that. No. no. I, I, listen, it was, a, it was a really fun college football weekend, and there's a lot of good games. But I don't know. I just – we've kind of been stuck here talking about Oklahoma and the rest of the 2022 season and kind of thanks to the Air Comfort Solutions text line focusing on a, a, a final record and the debate about whether or not they're going to end up in a better position than Texas after this year. I don't know. The story out of Miami is kind of interesting, right? Uh, you guys want to complain about the way things are going. Holy smokes. Mario Cristobal and the Hurricanes. We have eight turnovers on Saturday and a loss to Duke. But I, I don't really feel like there was anything pressing that we haven't necessarily hit on yet. What did you make of Clemson-Syracuse? Obviously, job well done. Clemson survives, advances. They're 8-0, still perfect in ACC play. But, uh, you know, probably didn't play out. I think it's fair to say, like, you and I suspected. No. I mean, I think we both kind of thought this was a moment where Clemson would not completely embarrass Syracuse but make it pretty clear that, okay, you're, you're kind of a fraud on the big stage. And that's not how it played out. I would say this. I would say this, Josh. I was really impressed. I was really impressed with Syracuse. They're they're better than I thought they were, and that's a credit to that's a credit to a team that has kind of come together under Dino Babers. Good for him. I'm a I'm a big Dino Babers guy, but man, Clemson caught a break. Uh, Kendall did ask this question earlier, and I think it is worth. 
Oh, it, it, okay. First, let me say this because a couple people have texted this. Hey, remember Oklahoma State had two penalties. One was declined and one was offsetting. Ten of Texas's 14 penalties were offsides or procedures. Yeah, let me tell you something. My man Craig Way was losing his mind on the Texas radio network with the procedure penalties. I didn't realize it was that massive, 10 of the 14, but I, I, I don't know if you give credit to the crowd noise or if you worry about Quinn Ewers making sure everyone's on the same page. Regardless, yeah, they had two penalties called, but they were declined. One was declined, one was offsetting. So there were a couple penalties at least called on Oklahoma State. Well, and that that's a really good note there because it shows it's not like they were calling a bunch of defensive holds left and right, right. and this right, and that. Right, I mean, right. it's Texas is shooting itself in the foot again and again and mm-hmm. again. Yeah, it's not. Ooh, that was a questionable pi, or that looked like um, a block in the back and they didn't call it. It was pre-snap procedures. But Kendall asked this. Speaking of the Syracuse game, what were your guys' thoughts on Clemson fans storming the field after beating Syracuse? Yeah, they do that every game. I don't know, but they, they literally – they I think it's like they meet at the paw. So if you've watched a Clemson game to the end, they didn't storm the field after beating Syracuse. They do that after every game. And probably they should stop doing it because the <laughs> optics of it is just terrible. It is. It makes it look like they're storming the field after every win. Um, but it's kind of, that's a Dabo thing, man. I will say – Little old Clemson. I'm the poor, you know, see if Clemson can just, I hope that program gets a break. Everybody's um, been talking about Syracuse, but little uh, Clemson, we found a way. I know. My gosh, man, you're the beast. Stop. I, I saw the story about the Alabama kid and everyone losing their mind about him. I don't know if he punched the girl or slapped the girl, you know, which is unacceptable. I just want to make that very clear. Unacceptable. It's wrong. But, bro. In those field-storming situations, I was at TCU. I had a girl running running right next to me and yelling in my face, get effed, get effed, get effed, and just screaming and yelling it at me. I'm like, I'm, I'm the radio guy? I'm, you know, it's just they get on the field and they feel like it's free reign and they can do whatever they want. So that's where the fear comes in in something like that whenever you're constantly storming the field. If you got security and they're good with it and they can get the opposing team off the field, great. The uh, reality, that, You can end up in those situations like the Bama kid. The reality to the point you're making, we see this all the time, sports makes people lose their couth, right? It makes <laughs> people act crazy for some reason. The And I don't even know if it's strictly the drinking, but drinking, of course, is you know a part of it at times too. But something about buying that ticket for certain people, it's like they treat these athletes like they're subhuman. And, you know, you get mixed up with the wrong athlete in a situation like that, and eventually something's going to happen. The other thing that I feel like maybe we haven't spent enough time on that is worth talking about, I, I don't try to make every single win and loss about recruiting because I think that we've seen that culture, you know, can can obviously build and, and create great players, but you want to get you want to get some dogs. You want to you want more than Jags. You want some dudes. And you know, y'all can tell me how Oklahoma's loss to Kansas State was a problem and them 
not getting up. David, um, I, I forgot his name now, the kid that committed to Texas A&M that everyone thought was going to commit yeah, to Yeah, David Hicks. Thank you. Thank you. But what is Texas A&M right now? What are they? Are they a good football team? Are they a good program? Are they headed in the right direction? You know, is unless Jimbo Fisher leaves, ain't paying an $80 million buyout. And we're not talking about year one. We're talking about year five for Texas A&M. And here's Shane Beamer, who in year two just beat him. Just beat him. So, and I, I don't know about you, Josh, but I'm pretty sure that Texas A&M had significantly more talent than South Carolina did on Saturday night. But what's going on in College Station? That's another storyline. Oh, I it's think a mess. We need to get into. All right, quick break. Top five stories today coming up. Good conversations, topics, debates after week. What are we on? Did I say week eight of the college football season? In the books. Week eight is in the books. Week nine includes Oklahoma and Iowa State. We'll take our first look at the Cyclones coming up at, on tomorrow's show, and we'll hear a little bit from Jeff Lebby and defensive coordinator Ted Roof, who are speaking to the media today. That's coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fan. All right, uh, welcome back to the Plank Show. I was, I was, I very rarely go back and forth on the Twitter machine unless, or the, the text line, unless it's A, you're really, really wrong on something, or B, you've brought up a really, really good point. And, you know, we just brought up, hey, you know, if you're a three-loss team right now, you're not necessarily out. And from the 405, well, if Kansas State, OSU, and Texas, they each have to lose four games, it's not happening. No, Oklahoma State doesn't. And you point that out, you need, te- you need Kansas State and Texas to lose for Kansas State three more games, which is tough. For Texas, just two more, which, meh, huh? But OSU, I mean, it, you win that head-to-head and you get that tiebreaker unless you get into some wonky three-team tiebreaker. And my favorite point is whenever you point that out, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. They're not happening. It's not happening anyway. You're probably right. I'm not sitting here trying to sell you that Oklahoma's going to the Big 12 championship game. It's not my point. But I'm just telling you, for a Neil Brown, for a Brent Venables, for a Joey McGuire, for a Steve Sarkeesian, they can still sell that hope. Now it's whether or not their team's buying in. All right, top five stories today coming up next. Plus, gosh, the text line has been so good. We owe you more of that right here on The Ref.